This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Michael Johnson. He's the founder of Notablist.com, a competitive intelligence platform for email marketers. Michael, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, I am, Nathan. Thanks for having me on. All right. Yeah. So you go from you know the the ditches in in Wall Street to uh, to email marketing intelligence. How does that work? Uh, I think it's it stems from boredom. Uh, if you're in, if you're if you're a startup mentality type of person working in a, a very rigid corporate environment, just isn't going to work for you. Just mm-hmm. you, you get on edge, and eventually you you become uh, bored and leave. And that's what I did. I left for the startup world. Interesting. Tell us about the company. What's the revenue model, and uh, what's the company offer in terms of value? Uh, Notablist, <clears throat> we're a competitive intelligence platform for email marketers and sales teams. Uh, it's essentially it's a massive database of information on the email marketing practices of brands worldwide. Right now, we cover about five hundred thousand brands yep. around the world. It's really smart, by the way, because what I do right now is I just have a little folder in my inbox marked by with spam slash research, and all these things go there. You, it looks like, have done a really nice job ranking these by Alexa rank or things like that. Yeah, yeah, and we keep enhancing the uh, the, the our, your ability to filter these things in a variety of different ways. For instance, you can just filter out brands that are sending campaigns in, say, Spanish or Italian or, or whatnot. You can uh, filter them by technology, which is one of our most popular features, actually. What do you mean so, by technology? Like Mandrill, SendGrid, Mailchimp. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're an email marketer, you're probably using you're using a tech stack to send your email campaigns. You're using probably Mailchimp. You may be using some dynamic content providers. You may be using an ad network, or you could be sending your campaigns from a CRM. Um, sales teams, in particular, love that information because it's it's, it's tailor made for prospecting. Interesting. So we have, for instance, some of our customers are ESPs, and they come in and they want to do a search to see who's using ESPX. That's when they're building their uh, prospecting lists, and that's what. The, yeah, yeah. And how do you make money? Is it a SaaS platform? It's a SaaS platform, annual recurring contracts. Okay. What what's the what do the average customers pay per year, would you say? Seventy five hundred annually. Okay, got it. You've said that very quickly. So it sounds like maybe do you only have one price point? At present, yeah. Well, yeah. it's obviously multiple users we, we work out discounts, but that's the single seat license price. Seventy five hundred bucks a year. It's paid annually, right? Yes. Okay. And give us more of the backstory. When did you launch the company? Uh, we launched it in 2004. Um, it was an outgrowth of a conversation that I had with my co-founder one uh, one summer afternoon when he was actually he was getting ready to move out of New York, and uh, I you know I had a, a friend of mine that actually had been I'd been doing some email marketing work for him because he was all thumbs when it came to tech. Uh, what when it came time to do his campaign. Just I wanted to take a look around and see what some of his some of his competitors were doing, and I found that there was really no there was no place uh, to go and just do casual searches for this stuff. Google just was, was no help. So I did a little bit of market research 
and saw that uh, there were limited options out there for that sort of thing and uh, started toying around with uh, with a prototype. And I built two versions of the system myself uh, before I brought my co-founder on. And then, of course, uh, you know, once he, once he came aboard, it, things, really, uh, things really started to roll. You had de-risked the business at that point because you already built the product. What percent equity did you give him when you brought him on? Uh, we'll talk about that. Le- less than 40%? Yes. Okay, got yeah. it. So you're still majority it's, shareholder. It's a nice chunk, but it's yeah, it's a nice chunk, but I really rather look specific. Have you bootstrapped that. or have you raised capital? We've bootstrapped. That's great. That's great. And what is the team size today? Right now we are three. Myself, my co founder, and a part time salesperson who lives out in the West Coast. That's great. And are they all okay, I was gonna say, so you are you both based the you and your co founder in uh up there in New York or no? No, we're we're completely distributed. I'm in New York City. He's out in Tulsa, and uh, our other guys out in out in the West Coast, out in Portland. So it's uh, um, we we're always on the go. Actually, my co-founder and I, we, I've known each we've known each other now for about seven years, and we've worked on a number of different projects together. We have never actually worked together in the same physical space. It's he's always somewhere else, and I'm always always here. That maybe that's why it works. You never have to see never have to see each other. <laughs> Well, you know, we've had our differences. <laughs> Sometimes it's better that you're not in the same room. That's, but, that's uh, right. That sort of thing is healthy. That's right. Now, what have you scaled to in terms of total customers using the platform? At present, we're at, we're at 20 customers. Most okay. of those are annual customers. A few of them are consulting customers because we, in addition to our platform, we do custom uh, consulting for people who are use, looking to use our data in interesting ways that maybe we haven't envisioned. Interesting. So, so you have a professional services component as well? Yes. Got it. Just the SaaS model, 20 people paying 7,500 bucks a year. That puts you just there, what, at about 150 grand a year. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Okay. And what portion of your business would you say is larger? The professional services stuff, the high touch, low margin, or the no touch SaaS model? The SaaS, definitely. It's way bigger. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Interesting. How, how do you incentivize your salesperson? Uh, It's, it's strictly commission. Our frank, but frankly, most of our sales have not come through the sales salesperson himself, unless you count me. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the sales have come through uh, through through network marketing. Through you know, I previously uh, I led a team that developed a uh, a media marketing solution at Critical Mention a number of years ago. So this market is uh, is very similar to that. It's it's effectively the same solution, just applied to a different marketplace: email marketing versus media monitoring. And um, um, a lot of my contacts, a lot of people in my network, are the sort of people that, that are interested in, in the solution. And give me a sense of growth. You said you're at 150 grand today. Go back 13 months. What was your run right then? Uh, zero. <laughs> oh, right. You, had, you hadn't launched okay. at the end December 16. You hadn't launched. Yeah, well, it, it, it took us a while to, uh, to, to zero in on precisely what it was, what the, what the compelling feature was that, that customers wanted. I mean, we'd shown it to a lot of people and they'd all looked at it and said, wow, that's a great idea. But the difference between someone saying that's a great idea and then someone whipping out their credit card um, is often subtle. And we found that uh, that was the case. Once we added certain features, uh, we've suddenly started getting a lot more yeses than noes. But you said you founded the company in 2004. So if you just started making money 12 months ago, what were you doing for 13 years? How are you supporting yourself? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't found in 2000, 2014. Oh, 2014. Got it. Got it. I'm persistent, but not that persistent. I was about to say, that's pretty incredible. You must have had some money saved up or something. 10 years of burn. Yeah, yeah. 
No, we, we, we had a few years of burn, but we were, we were really, you know, resource strapped. I was, you know, we funded it from, uh, you know, basically, you know, my bank account and uh, basically giving up all the consulting uh, income that I was making and just plowed into the business. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. But you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. So you'd use the agency professional services stuff to fund the SaaS company because it's obviously better to scale that side. And that's where you're at today. Right. Yeah. So we're at the point now where the product is starting to mature and uh, we're getting word of mouth referrals. Customers are calling us up, uh, you know, people who know some of our customers and they're, they're really getting good, good recommendations. That's great. What's churn today? It's very low. Actually, our first, our first renewals have started coming in and so far we've had a perfect renewal rate. So great. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. Great. We also, I think some of what we provide is just data that you just simply can't get anywhere else. Do you do um, any paid acquisition or no? Not so far, no. Okay, so it's ter- too early to look at like CAC metrics or things like that. Customer acquisition costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, do you, so you don't run any of those, any of the modeling around CAC or LTV or payback period? Uh, there just simply wouldn't be enough data right now to, yeah. uh, to, to, to go there. Yeah, and so how do, you, I mean, how do you scale faster? You have something that's unique, get people paying for it. How do you go from 20 customers to 2,000? Uh, basically it's, it's plowing whatever money we bring in is, is plowing it back into the business. And, you know, right now we're focusing on uh, inbound marketing, mostly, you know, using our own platform to promote itself. I mean, so one of the best ways of, 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 uh, from best forms of promotion is to take what you're, what you've built and show people how they can use it. And so one of the ways you doing that? Yeah. Well, for, I'll give you. I'll give you for instance. You may recall last year, uh, Mailchimp decided that they were going to force everyone who was using a platform called Mandrill um, to become paid Mailchimp customers. And Mandrill was just simply massive for, for transactional uh, email, um, and then that forced a lot of people out onto the market, including us. We had literally just implemented Mandrill on our platform for sending transactional emails. So a few months after the fact, we decided to go back and look at our own data to see what it was, uh, where all those customers landed, because it was a massive exodus from, I don't know how many customers they said they had, but they all exodus had to find from where, an exodus from Mandrill. From Mandrill was yeah, is Mandrill yeah. a Mailchimp product? It is. It is. And it was standalone product for a while, but MailChimp, for whatever reason, they decided that it wasn't profitable enough for them or they just wanted to subsume the business into their their main brand. Uh, So anyone who was using standalone that didn't want to use MailChimp uh, was forced to choose another provider. And who won? Where'd everybody go? We were a little irritated. Uh, well, we took a look at it, and we saw that they'd, they'd gone to a combination of SparkPost, SendGrid, MailGun, and to a lesser extent, um, 
um, Amazon S, S3 or SES. And um, for the most part, it looks like SparkPost won. They edged out SendGrid by just a little bit. So that's the kind of reporting you'll do. You'll put content out there analyzing scenarios like that. Right, right. And we're working on several of those right now because the, we've only gotten to the point over the past six or nine months where the, the data has accumulated to the point where we can really make meaningful inferences from, from what's in there. And we've only just scratched the surface of that. If someone came to you and offered you 400000 bucks to buy the whole company, would you sell? No. <laughs> I think I've put more than that into it, frankly, between the, you know, cash and, and giving, up, uh, giving up hours. How, how, um, how would you value the company today? Potential. Uh, like not the know, number, but the process you go through. The the process to value the business. Yeah, like don't well, don't don't say, oh, I value it at twenty million. Say, you know, I think about it this times this or that or how do you get to evaluation? Yeah, you can't look at it in terms of revenue, obviously, because we don't have a lot of revenue. But that's not something. That's not situation that's going to remain the way it is forever. I tend to look at it. I think you'd have to tend to look at it as more of a, a raw startup, uh, but not a na- you know not a raw startup at the napkin stage, but but a startup that's actually built their uh, their first uh, rev of the product and they're actually they're in a go to market situation. So whatever the current valuations are in that sphere is probably something we'd be looking towards. Yeah, I mean, look, most most buyers you know are revenue buyers unless it's a highly strategic product and then the multiples can get crazy if it's you know if they really want you it's an aqua hire etc. Sure. So. Interesting. Sure, sure. So, like, so like if I'm going to make this up, if Bezos came to you and they really wanted you as a, from a talent perspective and said, hey, here's two million bucks or, or a million bucks. I mean, do you sell the company and join Amazon? Uh, possibly. Are you possibly. married? Really? We're, I am. Would I your am. wife kill you if you told her over dinner tonight you turned down a million dollar check from Bezos? I, I, I hope to never have to tell her that. I hope to tell her that we, we got a $10 million check from Bezos. <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously, I, I built the business uh, for the long haul. It doesn't mean that we wouldn't, obviously we wouldn't sell the business, but our, our interest is, it's, it's not purely financial. I mean, we literally love what we do. This is a very exciting business and we're solving some problems that, um, that really haven't been solved before. So it's from, from an engineering perspective, it's very compelling. And I think from a business perspective too, it's compelling. Sales teams, in fact, are, are just gaga over, over, over the information that we can provide them because what they typically get is not um, uh, not information that's specific to the email to email marketing. So, for instance, if you're a sales team, let's say you want to know who is running SparkPost in their in their email tech stack. Well, if you go to most of the uh, the business intelligence providers that are out there, the ones that will tell you what someone's tech stack is, Siftery, built with. Yeah, they're looking exactly. They're looking at web pages to see, you know. So if you want to know what someone's using in their email, obviously you want to look at the emails, not their web pages. And that's the, that, that's the that's the key difference between what we do and say what a, a built with does um, or data nice and so on and so forth. Yep, interesting. All right, let's wrap up here, Michael, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? You have a lot of choices. It looks like. Uh, well. <laughs> Most of them aren't business books, actually. I try to try not to mix. No, right now, actually, I'm reading Priceless by William Poundstone. Okay. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, none specifically, though. I, I have a, I do have an interest in, in Tim Cook at Apple. He's, uh, you know, Steve Jobs is a really tough, uh, tough act to follow, and uh, uh, Tim has to to follow that act. Plus, he's got to manage what's one of the biggest companies in the history of the world, and I don't think that's an easy job for for anyone. So, whoever knocks, he's taking about maybe Apple's not innovating or whatnot. I think it's not looking at the big picture. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing the business? 
I think Calendly, uh, constantly booking demos and whatnot. It just saves me the back and forth of having to uh, to schedule meetings. How many hours of sleep are you that's getting every night? Oh, six. Okay, that's pretty good. And you said married. Do you have any kiddos or no? Oh, she's grown. Okay, okay, but you still have you still have children. I do. Got like it. I said, it's at my feet. So those are those are actually more effort these days. My daughter is uh, up, grown. So out one of daughter school. and four dogs. That's, That's funny. Right. And how old are you? In a car. How old are you, Michael? I'm 53. All right. Last question. Take us back 33 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? <sighs> Don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust anyone at all. Spoken like a true Wall Street trenches guy. There you have it from Michael. Don't trust anybody. Back in 2014, he went out on his own, launched Notablist with one of his friends for seven years uh, after having his really scratching his own itch. They've since scaled the company. It is a pure play SaaS company. The SaaS revenue is the dominant revenue stream. They have about 20 customers paying 7,500 bucks a year. Uh, that comes out to about 12.5 grand a month or about 150 grand per year. Scaling nicely. They just really turned on revenue about 13-ish months or so ago too early to talk about unit economics one sell for uh for 300 400 grand he's loving what he's doing and totally bootstrapped which i love with his team of two up there in new york and a sales guy out on the west coast michael thank you for taking us to the top nathan thank you very much for having me